Another wild weekend in the NFL has come to an end and we will recap all the crazy headlines and storylines on this episode on the island. Welcome back to another episode of Baller Island, Jay Sahoda, Bilal Lahi, and we will also be joined by our guest Tyler Villander on this episode to help us recap all the headlines from week three and then we will look ahead to week four and we will preview some of the good matchups coming up this weekend and of course we will preview Tom Brady's homecoming to Foxborough Brady versus Belichick gonna be a good one we will talk about that one as well so keep a lock stay tuned we got a good one coming your way and of course don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Twitter and Instagram for more sports news and analysis Welcome back to the island, folks, and another wild weekend in the National Football League has come to a close. And just like that, September football is pretty much over. There is one game remaining in the month of September. The Jacksonville Jaguars will take on the Bengals in a pathetic Thursday night matchup on Thursday night. Two of the last first round picks will be going at it. And then after that, the week four slate will continue into the month of October. Jay Sahoda, Bilal Lahi, we will be shortly joined by our guest on today's episode, who will be joining just shortly. B, what's going on, my guy? Man, before we get to the real football, I just have to throw this in. I beat you in fantasy this week, I told you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. we we get the whole point there, man. It's, yeah, I, I was talking smack, I'll admit it, I'll admit it, and we'll meet again later in the year, and you know, your receivers, you got those crazy three receivers. The other way, you got Devontae, Thielen, and uh, who am I missing in oh. there as well? Yeah, cool. oh, God, Cooper Cup. Yeah, that's just a ridiculous three-headed monster. So, all good. We'll take the win. We're the top two teams in the league so far, so we'll see how the rest of the season goes. And with that, I'll welcome in our guest for today's episode, my guy, Tyler Villander. He knows a ton of sports, big basketball guy, football guy. And B, I'm sure you'll get along really nicely with Tyler as he's also a diehard Patriot fan. Tyler, welcome to the island, man. Nice. Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going, guys? We're good. We're good. And let's get right into it so far. So week three was a on just another wild weekend in the NFL. And it's just been three weeks, constantly entertaining stuff all around, always crazy storylines. And I guess before we get to week three, you know, B and I have been talking about what what are some of the stuff that we've been looking at so far this season. Tyler, three weeks into the season, September's pretty much a wrap. What are some things so far three weeks into the season that have kind of stood out to you so far in this season? Um, I'll start with a couple teams, I guess. Uh, and that would be one that I'm not that surprised about, and that's the Rams with my boy, Matty Stafford. Um, they have, like, great defense coming in the year, and then just, like, adding, like, that... Uh, like that great mind at QB with like a huge arm has been insane. And obviously you guys were talking about Cooper cup earlier. The chemistry there has just been incredible. And I have him in both my leagues as well. Um, the other team specifically that I wanted to bring up was Carolina. Defense has looked great. Darnold seems like completely turned around from like his jets uh, ordeal that he went through. And then those are kind of the the two teams that I don't know if you guys feel about them as well, but that have really stood out to me so far. Yeah, no, for me, I definitely agree with that. The Rams have been, I mean, they, they look like the best team in all of football right now. And I know the Chiefs are struggling, and I think we're all expecting them to get back into things shortly. But 
the Rams just really, really great complimentary football. Stafford's balling. That offense looks like in full gear. Raheem Morris has got that defense looking really similar to how it was last year. Easily a top-tier defense. Jalen Ramsey's playing out of his mind. Aaron Donald's doing his thing. They are definitely a worrisome team, especially for my Niners, so I'm worried about them. Carolina is a surprise team. I mean, uh, we were talking early in the year. I was I was fairly high on Carolina. I didn't expect them to be 3-0, and but I knew they were going to be a fun team to watch, but they, they got some injuries to deal with here with CMC gone, and same with J.C. Horn, um, who's gone for the whole year. Uh, CMC should be back in a few weeks, but B, how about you? Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the Rams aren't a surprise. I, I had the Rams pretty high. I had a feeling they were going to be among the top teams in the league. But Carolina, I, I'm not too sure. I mean, they've, they've played well. I love I love Matt Rule. I love McCaffrey. You know, they got guys on, on, on the outside too. But I still don't know if I, I'm a full believer in them just yet. They've, they've played well defensively. I think they might be for real. Um, but, yeah, losing McCaffrey for a few weeks, I mean, I think we're going to see, you know, what this team's really made of. But I don't know if I can – all the way buy in yeah i don't know if you guys are on it on a different level you guys are bought in are they a playoff team to you guys i don't know i'm I'm not there yet go go ahead tyler yeah it's tough to make the call like right now with a playoff team they for sure surprised me it'll be interesting to see the next few weeks how that offense moves the ball without mccaffrey that uh dj moore's looked great as well robbie anderson's been a bit like underutilized so far terrace marshall is like I was super high on him coming into the year. Um, so, like, I think they have the pieces. Just we'll see how Darnold puts them together. But I think they'll definitely be in the running for a wild card spot. I I think I got to wait and see a little bit more to know what the 2021 Carolina Panthers are truly going to be made out of. At this point, I'd say, yeah, I can see them most definitely being in the wild card race 100%. But I do look at this team and I'm saying, well, they're still young. There's still a lot of unknowns. But this, I'll tell you one thing. This defense, they are good. Like, this is a really, really good defense. They're young. They're getting into things. Matt Rule is known to be a defensive guy. And they just made the trade for C.J. Henderson. And I love that because they lost a guy in J.C. Horn who they were high on, picked him early in the draft. He goes down and they act quickly and go out and get C.J. Henderson, who's been in a lot of uh, trade rumors over the past few weeks. So I thought that was a great move for Carolina. But it, I do think it's early, and they got a big one against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. That should be an exciting one for sure. Um, so now, rewinding back to this past weekend in Week 3, um, we know we talked about the Rams obviously beating Tampa, and none of us are really surprised. I'll start with that game, and then I'll go to some of our other takeaways in Week 3. And I'll say this. Obviously, we already talked about the Rams, and I don't think any of three of us are really surprised. But I'll start with you, Tyler. Did you learn more about the Rams or the Buccaneers in that game? I think I don't know if I learned a ton about either, just because like the Bucks D is a bit banged up, so I think can, knew they were going to be like picked on to a degree, and then just seeing how they play were played by like the Cowboys and stuff earlier this year. Um, they haven't been quite as dominant as like I think a lot of people expected, but I think it gets a huge confirmation that the Rams are for real, and I don't think it really adds much to like the Bucks storyline of this year. I never thought that they were going to go undefeated. I never thought that they were going to like steamroll this season by any means, but I still think that both those teams are going to be there in like the final eight or four, like teams yeah. at the end of the season. No, I definitely see this. This is to me at, at this moment. This is the NFC Championship game. 
Um, I, I was saying this last week. I was saying that the Rams, I think, are the most complete team in the league. And I thought the way they got to Brady and the pressure they put on him compared to what I was telling you, I was like, Tampa's defense hasn't looked that great. You know, we I knew Stafford was going to do his thing. I knew Cup. It feels like Cooper Cup's open on every single play. Um, you know, the Rams, they're just they, – uh, neither of them have any running game, it feels like, but they're just like – it felt like the Rams are able to navigate that. I was really impressed with their crowd. The, st- the stadium was – I mean, the stadium's the stadium, but, like, their crowd was into it. Everybody was invested. McVay was pumped up at halftime. I mean, the Rams are – the Rams, man, they're they're going to be good. And uh, if that's an NFC championship game, I mean, that that's – I that's what I would I'm looking forward to that you know that's gonna be a hell of a game I I can see that like I this game kind of had those vibes of like that early game and then they meet again in the postseason and people are like oh l- look back at week three and how they matched up earlier so I could totally see this being a possible NFC championship or divisional round matchup most certainly a playoff matchup at that point for me, I would say I learned a lot more about LA than I did about Tampa. I didn't. There's nothing I, I needed to know about Tampa because it's early in the season. It doesn't really matter what Tampa does in September, and it doesn't matter what Tom Brady does in September because he'll he'll be back in January, and he's a whole different beast in January. So let's see what Matt Stafford does with that in January. So I didn't learn. I didn't take too much into account for the Bucks struggles in that game and. To Tyler's point, the secondary is completely banged up, and apparently they're bringing in my guy Richard Sherman, which I don't know how happy I am about that. But that's a—I mean, it's a great addition for them if Tampa if they need help immediately. But the Rams just look—I don't know, man—they just look different. They look really good. They're in sync, like you mentioned, Cooper Cup open a lot of plays. McVeigh—I mean, I don't know what the heck. This guy probably had like six, 16 Red Bulls before this game. He was running around the sidelines like the Energizer Bunny. But it was a it, it was a great game by the Rams and and yeah they scare the hell out of me in the NFC right now and I don't, I don't know and then going sticking to the NFC obviously the Sunday night game between my Niners and the Packers who I think we could say the Bucks and the Rams are probably the top tier in the NFC and then below that the Packers and the Ram or the Packers and the Niners are probably the next two in the NFC here this one had me in an emotional roller coaster but what did you guys um, have to think about Aaron Rodgers' late game heroics, which is no surprise to anyone. Tyler, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no surprise. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, just that otherworldly connection. It can't be beat. Uh, it, I'm glad that I got to watch you, like your team in prime time before coming on here and talking about it. The thing that I took away from like watching the Niners play is I love how instead of just stretching the field up and down, they seem to play the field side to side and really pull teams kind of back and forth that way, like a lot of like jet sweeps, screens, like bubble screens and stuff like that. So that was, that was a lot of fun to watch them play, like almost like use the field in a different way than like a lot of other NFL NFL teams do. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that in a second. B, what are your thoughts from this game? Man, um, I felt like this was a must win for, for Green Bay. And I feel like this win means a lot more to Green Bay because I felt like if they lost this game, they're one and two and – you know, if Aaron Rodgers gets off to a one and two start, I felt like he w- he's on such a fragile, you know, headspace. If he starts off one and two and he loses a close one, maybe you guys kick the game winning field goal and he loses this game. I feel like it could just go downhill. But I feel like you knew it, too. It's like Aaron Rodgers, you gave him the ball with 30 something seconds left. And it was just like mm, your secondary is banged up. Devontae Adams, is just, I don't even know how he stayed in the game after that hit. 
it, it felt like th- those two are just getting anything they wanted. And I was really shocked because I thought your Niners were like one of the most physical teams in, in the whole league. And I thought a soft team like Green Bay, I always think Green Bay is kind of soft, but I thought they kind of pushed you guys around, especially in the first half. They they really pushed you guys around. Their their O line was able to keep uh keep Rogers upright um for the most part. And uh yeah, I don't know. I, I was impressed by Jimmy G though. That two minute last two minute drive, I was impressed. I didn't think uh that was gonna happen at all. Yeah, there were there were points where he looked extremely shaky during that game, and then there were points where he looked like usual, like veteran, cool headed ice in his veins, Jimmy G. It was a fascinating game. It it definitely was a, a fascinating game being down 17 nothing and then making that comeback. I wasn't surprised. I, I think down 17 nothing, I was definitely a little bit worried, more so on the defensive side more than, than the offensive side and I sure this is the second straight week that our offense has has come out just completely stale in the first half but then mind you you're coming off of an east coast trip two early games and then you come home for a sunday night game so there's a bit of a time difference there so that's fine there's that aspect of things there but I guess I'll start with Garoppolo I don't know I mean you both know me you know that's my guy I'm I've always been very high in pro Garoppolo especially during this whole land situation but I personally did not think this was his best game there were a lot of hesitations, not going to his first reads, taking side. The old line, I wouldn't say. I think this was Alex Mack certainly did not have his best game in his third game as a Niner. But there are, and the run game, of course, we all knew it was going to be a disaster because we didn't know who was starting. Sermon, it was his first start. So a lot of, you know, our, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it, was, it was just a revolving door. That's the word I was looking for at running back. And you just couldn't get it going. And it really wasn't until the end of the first half when Trenton Cannon, who we picked off off waivers earlier in the week, took a massive kick return and put us in the, in the Green Bay territory. I'm wondering why the hell Kyle Shannon didn't stick him in at running back. Because that's the kind of burst that we need on offense. And I just didn't see it. And then, B, to your point about Aaron Rodgers with, with 37 seconds left, absolutely. The minute... The minute Juszczyk scored that touchdown, I look at the clock, I see 37 seconds, and I'm just like, bleep, that's a wrap. I just, I, could, I couldn't even celebrate. It just, it, I knew exactly what was coming, and our secondary is completely banged up. It's, it's unfortunate. I wasn't too surprised about Garoppolo in the two-minute drill. He's done that time and time again. I don't know. I feel like people for, tend to forget that. He did it against Drew Brees. He's done it against Russell Wilson. He's done it multiple times. And we've also ended up on the losing end of things. This game kind of reminded me a lot of, 2019 Monday night against Seattle, wild game, primetime, and lost on a, on a game-winning field goal as well. So Niners got to regroup. Our, our defense definitely struggling. Our secondary is a mess. But, you know, we got a massive one against Seattle looming on, on Sunday. That's a, a massive game with the Seahawks coming in one and two. Um, that's going to just be a bloodbath. So we'll see what happens there. And for Green Bay, this was – I feel like almost this was the game that Aaron Rodgers, like, needed – if that makes sense, Definitely. right? He needed this one. You saw how right. empty he was after that field goal? Like, he wanted I, this one. I, I haven't seen him that empty in a, in a while. So, like, that was, and especially how this whole offseason's gone and all that stuff, yeah, he needed that. Devontae was fantastic, cut up our secondary. And, and also, one more point here before we move on. You were talking about Green Bay in the trenches. I, I, I got to say, I, I got I to gotta pay my respects here. The last two times the Niners played Green Bay, not counting last year. Beat them up. But in 2019... It was a clinic. The Niners punched them in the mouth from beginning to end. And Rodgers knows it. They all know that. 
I respect the hell out of Green Bay's defense for coming out there and playing like that. They finally found a way to get to us. They didn't allow the run. Yeah, obviously our run game was non-existent. But Green Bay's defense did a nice job, and I'll give I'll give the respect where it's due. They did a really nice job, and that O line with some rookies in there too, they did a nice job of of handling our D line as well. So Green Bay moves to two and one. Niners fall to two and one in the NFC, and then the last NFC. And before we move over to the AFC, actually we'll go two. I'm gonna move over to the Chicago Bears here for a minute, off from some top tier teams, some lower tier teams. This is this is a situation I know B and I have talked about. I know Tyler, you and I have talked about this before as well. The whole Andy Dalton, Justin Fields situation. So set the table here. Andy Dalton gets hurt. Justin Fields comes in. Bears beat the Bengals. Now you're going to Cleveland. Matt Nagy announces Justin Fields the starter. Everyone's amped. Bears fans could not be more excited. They are ecstatic. And tell me how the Chicago Bears had less yards than Justin Tucker in the Ravens-Lions game. Who's a kicker? Tyler, go ahead. What, what are your thoughts from this catastrophe that happened in Cleveland? Uh, yeah, Chicago is actually the team. I didn't, I didn't expect, I expected them to struggle this year, but they were actually the first time I listed as like the teams that I'm worried about. And it mostly comes down to like the play calling and the coaching. How like Matt Nagy got the chance to like be involved in trading up for two rookie QBs and presiding over their development. I have no idea. Are we still here doing like the same thing to Fields that he did to uh, Trubisky? Um, just yeah, like a lot of it was on Fields holding onto the ball like way too long and everything, taking like a lot of sacks. But the play calling is like pretty stagnant since it's gone like back into the head coach's hands. And I don't know if you remember last scene at all, but down the stretch he like ceded play calling like duties to the offensive coordinator, and like that's when like Montgomery came up like came on and like popped off last year to end the year. And, like, they ended up looking a lot better and winning some games. So I don't know why they reverted or anything like that, but it seems like a, seems like a coaching issue for me. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I thought um, – I think it was it was both ways, man. Fields was not good. Like, I don't think he was good. How many – he had, like, what, six completions? I had to, like, yep. triple take yep. that. Six completions in a game? I felt like – yeah, so, Tyler, you're right, man. I felt like he was definitely holding the ball. Didn't I felt like – if his first read wasn't there, he wanted to just get out the pocket for no reason. Um, and then on the other side, it's like Nagy feels like he's still call, calling up plays as if Andy Dalton's starting and not Justin Fields. It felt like it was like it felt like Nagy was like surprised that Justin Fields was starting. Like he didn't even know. Oh shoot, Justin Fields is starting. I gotta play do something else. Like it was so weird. This is such a weird game. I don't know how long. Like, do you think if if Detroit wins this next week in Chicago? And right now they're talking about three different quarterbacks starting. They're saying Dalton, Foles, and Fields could be in the mix for this week. But I feel like if they lose to Detroit this week in Chicago, I mean, Nagy might not see the next week. I I didn't even know what to say about this match. I'll be honest. I didn't watch much of this game. But once I saw what happened in this game, I was like, I cannot wait to watch every single show on Monday morning to hear what they got to say about this game. Because everyone's been talking about Justin Fields and Andy Dalton all offseason. When should Fields start? Fields should be in there. Andy Dalton, why is he in there? Blah, blah, blah. And then I, I, I wouldn't say, sure, Justin Fields taking nine sacks. Yeah, that's a problem. Holding onto the ball. A typical rookie mistakes there. The O-line was atrocious from what I saw. Miles Garrett just put on an absolute clinic. And I, for me, I, I got to agree with you, Tyler. I think this was definitely more of a coaching disaster by Matt Nagy because it just didn't seem like there was a lot of a game plan. And it's just... The stat lines in this game are just absolutely bizarre. 
as an offense, Chicago had 47 total yards. 47, not 147, 47. One for 11 on third downs, one net yard. One yard. That's it. One yard, and they got sacked nine times. And ironically, you would think in as game as weird as this one, you would think that the Bears would have turned the ball over a bunch of times. They didn't have a single turnover. The stat line was just absolutely bizarre in this matchup. And I, I don't know. I think I'm not going to take too much into Justin Fields, but I just got to say the Bears right now, I don't even know. And you're right. If they lose to Detroit on Sunday, man, it's it, it, things could get real ugly in Chicago. And as for the Browns, I mean, there's not much to talk about there. They got to win there. But the Bears were horrendous. And this was, I don't know, man. They got a lot, a lot to, to look at it going into this game. And we don't even know who the hell is starting. I got to feel Justin Fields is going to end up starting. I think if Nick Foles is announced the starter, Bears fans are going to lose their minds as if they haven't already. So we'll see what happens there. Let's move on to your guys. The New England Patriots hosted the Saints in this matchup. The Saints won this 28-13. to I watched a little bits and pieces of this game, but I'll let you guys go more into this one. Uh, Tyler, I'll start with you. This I didn't get to watch this in full as I usually do um, because I was at like a family thing this weekend. But yeah, from uh, my main takeaways is I didn't expect us to win this weekend, so it's not surprising. It's just kind of it's at New Orleans, like very good at shutting down the run. Damian Harris and trying to establish the run is like our plan A every single game, pretty much. Um, they haven't really opened up the playbook much for Mac yet. Just asking him to make like simple reads take what's there like easy completions and stuff which i think is works well uh, and let's kind of like expand it from there and then he can work his way into like the like the deeper mid-range and like long bombs and stuff like that and our line like missing trent brown and stuff hasn't been like up to the usual patriot standards yet so it wasn't all that surprising to me i didn't i got i didn't expect the saints to i guess lay down 28 on us with Jameis looking a bit if you're in week two um but yeah, so it went pretty much to script from what I from what I saw. Man, I'm I'm I was heated at this game, dude. Like it was like everything that went could go wrong went wrong in this game. You have you know two out of the three picks weren't even weren't even Mac's fault. Um, one of them went for six. One of them went to the ten yard line. I thought the defense, you know, all things considered, did a really good job. Um, New England's defense. Um, Saints defense, like Tyler said, killed the run, did their thing. And it's just like the, the difference was like, you know, Mac throws a ball, bounces out of Jonu Smith, and it goes for six the other way. And then Jameis Winston, you know, uh, I think it was Judon's all over him, throws it off his back foot, throws a lob ball, and it's Jameis Winston normally that gets picked off. And Callaway catches it and it goes for seven. It was just that type of game. All the balls bounced their way. None of the balls bounced our way. Um but I, I, I want to go back to Tyler real quick because I know a lot of Patriots fans are giving McDaniels heat, like heat, heat, for not opening up the playbook for Mac. Because when I see in the last, you know, two minutes of a, of a half or when they're down and it's must-throw situations, Mac just kills it. Like when they open up and they let Matt sl- Mac sling it, he kills it every time. And he, McDaniels is catching a lot of heat for, you know, holding him back. So I'm curious what you're thinking about that. I'm good with it so far, and it mainly comes from looking at the rest of the league. Um, and all, like, I think we were truly spoiled by what Herbert did last year and everything. And now we see like pretty much every first-round QB except for Lance, been, who's only been in for like a handful of snaps like total this season, is really struggling. 
and I think a lot like for most of them especially uh Wilson and Lawrence it's come from trying to like make too much happen go for those deep shots when they're really not there and trying to play like a bit of hero ball um I think Max fortunate to play on like a bit of a better roster than the Jets or the Jags but so I'm fine bringing him along slow he's still like learning to like make adjustments at the line communicate with like like calls there and everything and like changing up plays and everything so and then uh I think the two minute drills stuff and everything's been working there because it's probably McDaniels is holding a lot of that stuff just for those like clutch and very specific like situations. So like I'm I'm willing to be patient and stuff, but like I definitely I understand the frustrations as well. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch a ton of this game, so I'm kind of just getting my bits and pieces from you guys here, but I did see the highlights here. And I'd say I I wouldn't put too much on Mac in this game. He's still no, young. He was, say- he was good. He was good. I think he was probably like, you know, the only unit of like the whole squad. I mean, the defense was all right, but the old line coming in, we thought it was going to be a top five old line and they're just letting the Saints get to them. Maybe the Saints D is that good. Yeah. And I'd say Mac Jones is playing better than a lot of the rookie quarterbacks out there. Maybe if not the best so far, and the New Orleans Saints defense is a really, really good unit. They've now shown it in two out of the last three weeks. They completely shut down the Packers, and they go into Foxborough, and they shut down your Patriots. So I would say that it's a tough matchup to go against that defense, so I'm not going to take too much into that. But the Saints defense looked good. Jameis was still kind of eh. So I don't know, not, not a ton to take away from that game, but the Patriots have a monster game on Sunday night. We'll circle back to that in just a minute. Um, and then up the last few headlines here, three of these games came down to the wire. All of them were absolutely wild. So the Raiders are 3-0 and for the first time in 19 years. Of course, as B, as you mentioned on the weekend when we were talking, you were saying it's not a Raiders game unless there's drama at the end of it. What a wild one that was, 31-28 in overtime. The Chargers go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. Justin Herbert had a day with four touchdowns. KC turned the ball over four times. And then the Ravens, Lamar Jackson puts out or puts on his magic trick and just dominated the end of that game in a fourth and 19. And then Justin Tucker with a 66 yard game winning field goal to is that not the most Detroit Lions thing ever to have a 66 yard field goal for the win bounce off the bar and through. So out of those three games, what are what are some things that kind of stuck out to you guys? Tyler, go ahead. Um, yeah, shout out to Justin Tucker, obviously. That was just, just, I've watched that play so many times already this week. It's insane. But uh, yeah, shout out to the Raiders there for sure. My like fun team to watch this year. Um, I love the drama. I'm a big ter- Derek Carr guy. I love Jacobs, who's been banged up and not playing for most of the year. Darren Waller is awesome. Um, so yeah, they've not, and the AFC West in general has just been like, like pretty surprising. That's like four solid teams there. Raiders three and zero, Broncos three and zero with like the kind of like the two headed running back of like Javante Williams and uh, Melvin Gordon, despite missing Jerry Judy. So they've been surprising. Chargers look great. Huge upset in like Arrowhead. Mike Williams is like the new Mike Thomas. Everyone keeps saying so. And uh, so yeah, just it's been a lot of fun, and it'll be fun to see how that division plays out because it's crazy to think that uh like probably two of those teams will end up missing the playoffs. And like none of us, I don't think, I think at this point are willing to say that's going to be the chiefs at all. Yeah. That's why the West is, is so like so dramatic. I mean, I felt like in that chiefs chargers game, both teams kind of like were trying to give it away. It felt like, 
I don't know, like some weird play calling. Mahomes really didn't play well, which is surprising. You don't really see that. And then it felt like the Raiders were trying to give that game away too, and then they clutched it out. Um, my guy Brissett balled out, though. Um, I was really happy for that. And then you talked about the, the doink with the Justin Tucker, man. How about the, the delay of game that didn't get called? Like, I feel like Wild. Detroit is, like, just so cursed. I mean, like, Detroit's hung in every single game they've played. Like, they've done well. They fought with Baltimore, you know, the first half against the Packers. They did pretty decent, or they were up. And then I can't remember week one, but Detroit is just a, they just find ways to like lose these games. Like that's how they almost, is that. They almost gave Jay a heart attack in week one. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah they that's why. Yeah. No, for, for me out of those three games, I mean, the Raiders, I, it's very impressive. You know, I am really happy for them to be three, you know, and, and I got to shout out Jacoby Brissett because I did not after he had a horrible showing against Buffalo when he came in for two and I wasn't sure what to make out of this one going on the road against two and oh Vegas, but he came out, he balled out and it was almost deja vu for the Raiders in that game from last year against Miami, but Brissett couldn't quite put on his best Fitzpatrick impersonation but it was a heck of a game by him and the Dolphins. So I think maybe the Dolphins can live for the short term without Tua. But for the Raiders, I mean, 3-0, that's it. It's just an incredible deal to be in first place. Have the, the tied with Denver for the best record in the AFC. I mean, who in the hell could have predicted that at the beginning of the season? So, I mean, kudos to them. And then as for, for Baltimore, this was a team that BU and I thought were going to fall off a little bit considering all the injuries. And yet here they are. And... All things considered, if it weren't for an overtime loss against Vegas, Baltimore could be unbeaten right now and we'd have the best record in the AFC as well. So you look at all things there, Baltimore's had a tough way to start the year. I mean, there was a fairly winnable game against Detroit. I do not think that game should have been as close as it was. But Lamar did it again. He came up clutch late in the game on a 4th and 19. And Justin Tucker was clutch as hell at the end of that game as well. That was just a heck of a job by them and then and then for the Chiefs I, I think we all think that they will bounce back I mean it's one and they're one and two it's still early but man isn't it just hilarious to see them in last place I mean last week we were we were laughing at the fact they were in third place but last place in the AFC West is just simply incredible and shout out to the Chargers for going on the road there and getting a win but just absolutely crazy stuff and then so the last thing here Tyler before we let you go we cannot possibly let you go without talking about the massive Sunday night game on Sunday between Tom Brady and the Buccaneers heading back to Foxborough to take on Bill Belichick and the Patriots. How are you feeling going into this game this week? You know, what what's on your mind going into this game? Because I'm sure every Patriot fan is a little bit in their feels heading into this one. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone kind of feels like a different way about it. Mostly I'm just excited. I'm excited that it's prime time. I love watching the Bucks and Tom. I love watching the Pats. So see both and like the, like the biggest game of the week will be a, like a lot of fun as far as like the Patriots chances. I'm, I'm not expecting much. Um, just like, I know there's even been quotes from Tom this week already saying like, I know how they practice. Like I know their schedule. I know what they'll be saying in team meetings and stuff like that. He is here for 20 years. Um, only so much has like changed up since then, and so I, I think they're gonna lay lay the smackdown on us. But uh, like, s- still looking forward to it. Man, this game is just—I've been looking forward to this for so long, bro. It's like all these like little hype tapes the NBC is doing getting me hyped up, and it's just gonna be ridiculous. The 
thing I don't really like though is you know all these you know uh, Guerrero, you know Alex Guerrero, and you know Tom's dad. These guys are coming out saying some stuff about Belichick, and I'm just like, I'm so ready to put all that stuff to rest. I, I hate hearing that stuff on what happened and why the split happened. I'm just ready for this game to happen. Brady's going to, you know, break the uh, all-time passing record in this game too, which will be interesting because they're probably going to have to stop the game when he breaks it. It'll be in like the first quarter, maybe second quarter. You know, stop the game. He's going to get a huge ovation, bro. I better not hear a single boo though. Yeah, I hope not. Honestly, I think if like a, like true Pats fan stuff, you can you just have to be happy for him. Like there's so like all the reasons were there for like the split up and everything and for him to like move on to like a better situation and all that and to like win another championship. Like it, it was so much fun to watch. I think, you know, be we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about this game later on in this episode. But I, I gotta say, I think going into this game, this has to be just a certain level of just a different intensity than any other game going into this one. Kind of like a playoff game, but not really in the sense that the rest of the Buccaneers team has got to be looking at this and being like, we have got to play our ass off because we got to get this one for Tom. Like, we would just feel like absolute garbage if we didn't get this one for Tom. Vice versa for the Patriots, every single person in that locker room has got to be looking at each other and being like, we got to get this one for Bill. Like, it would be, it would just make us feel sick to our stomach if we did not get Belichick this win. And I know we all know here, you guys especially, Belichick and Brady are two competitive people they hate losing they love to win and you best know neither one of them wants to lose to each other I mean the irony if this game somehow someway ended in a tie that would just be ridiculous I think NFL would have to break the rules and just go to a double overtime but this this game is going to be just very interesting I can't wait to see what's going to happen but I do think the Bucks are going to have the upper hand in this one but I'm 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 so curious man how's Mac Jones going to go into this game like nobody's talking about Mac Jones everyone's talking about Tom Brady against Belichick no one's talking about Mac Jones in this matchup what if he goes out and he balls out those over 300 yards who knows but this game is going to be some definitely a lot of special things going into this one so can't wait going to be a great matchup a lot of crazy storylines going on there um Tyler last thing before we let you go heading into week 4 give me your game of the day and then your underrated game of the day on Sunday. My game of the day would for sure be Pat's Bucks. Um, I guess other than that, I'm just looking at the schedule right now. Would be actually I'm I'm weirdly for like where they're at. I'm super excited for Thursday night football to watch a full game of Trevor Lawrence and uh, Joe Burrow go back and forth. Yeah, that is weird. So that should be fun, and I'm I'm excited to watch. Uh, Divisional matchup, Monday Night Football, Raiders, second time on Monday night already versus Chargers. Yeah, that's a good pick. I, that Raiders-Chargers game could be really, really entertaining on Monday night. Jags, Bengals, yeah, I don't know about that one. But, <laughs> but definitely, definitely that Monday night one, I mean, goes it's going to go pretty crazy. But I know for Cincy, I got to say, your Tyler, your boy Joe Mixon's balling right now on Cincy. He's doing a hell of a job. But we'll see what yeah. happens there. We'll see if Jacksonville can pull off their first win or Cincy. Cincy gets a win. All of a sudden, they're 3-1. and one. Nobody's talking about the Cincinnati Bengals right now. So we'll see what happens there. But, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us on the island. We will most definitely have you again in the future. And enjoy this Sunday and enjoy the Buccaneers-Patriots game on Sunday night. Thanks, you guys, too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, take care, man. 
So moving on to the rest of the week three headlines in this one. So Carolina went into Houston on Thursday night, won a slugfest 24 to nine in that one. It was a it was a really ugly game, and Davis Mills just could not get anything going for the Texans offense whatsoever. And Carolina grinded that one out. Sam Darnold, another pretty decent outing. DJ Moore went down. CMC went down. It was it was a rough day, and I think it got to the point where Carolina was like, all right, we got to hurry up and finish this game before we get any other injuries. So Carolina moves to 3-0. and The one game we didn't talk about when Tyler was on here, which we we're kind of running out of time and I didn't mention it, but this one I definitely wanted to talk about. Speaking of those Bengals, this had to be the one takeaway for me in this on this weekend was Cincinnati going into Pittsburgh and winning 24-10. to You were that shocked? I'm like, I, I, you know what? I was shocked. I mean, I did see, I mean, I'm pretty sure I said this last week. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati went into Pittsburgh, but I didn't think in that type of scoreline where Pittsburgh's offense, once again, just looked absolutely can, garbage. Can ben, can ben Roethlisberger throw the ball more than seven yards down the field? Like more than Dude, it literally feels, I think he might be like, the worst quarterback in the league at this point. But, dude, you know what's even worse, though, is you're saying that, yeah, he didn't throw more than uh, more than seven or longer than seven yards down the field. Dude, he threw the ball almost 60 times. It's, it, they have no other – like, this is so – like, look at any team and you go through the quarterbacks. You're like, would, you, would I rather have him or Ben Roethlisberger? I think I, it, he might be, like, number 32 on the list. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I, I can't get around that. I honestly had higher expectations, but Ben clearly is just. He's, we he's saw just, it last year, too, at the end of the year. We saw how bad it was. Yeah. And then this year we came in and he was talking, like, yo, I couldn't leave like that. I, you know, I'm on the TB12 diet. You know, I changed my body. And it's just like. Doesn't look like ha- it. Have you? Like, I mean. I, I know it's a tough situation from the Steelers because you're like, yo, he's Ben Roethlisberger. Like, we can't bench. Like, what are we supposed to do in this situation, you know? You don't have a backup either, like, that that's, you know, good enough. You don't have another plan. They had Trey Lanson back there or something like that, you know, throw him in. But, like, what's your option, you know? Dwayne Haskins? Like, where do we go from there? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that's an option until if this if this season truly does get out of control and they're like, three and seven or four and six then maybe but I mean it's still early but Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's in some in some deep crap because they got to go in the Lambeau field on Sunday afternoon and to take on the boogeyman and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams after week one we were feeling so good about this team too and it's just like wow it it makes it makes no sense and and speaking of the Steelers Packers game that we'll get to more in a little bit it's two completely like opposite teams. You had Green Bay who looked like trash in week one and then they revived themselves. Pittsburgh, we were like, wow, Pittsburgh's we looked really good in week one. And now they're all of a sudden looking like garbage. It just it's really, really strange. I did expect more from Pittsburgh and they have a chance to like make that opportunity by going into Green Bay and winning in Green Bay. But how much confidence do I have in them doing that? It's slim to none. And I think the biggest thing for Pittsburgh, and I've I've made this comparison in the past as well. The only way Pittsburgh had a chance at being any, you know, way remotely close to being competitive this season 
as if this defense carried them to victory and Big Ben only needed to throw the ball like 25, 30 times. They run the What you know, was the that stat line? Najee Harris had 19 targets. Like how yep. what? Najee 100. Harris? Like what? <laughs> he was their he was their leading receiver. Claypool was under that with nine for ninety-six. Najee was their leading receiver, 14 catches for 102 yards. And then he also ran the ball. He was the only one. Like they don't even have another running back that they're like mixing well, no, and matching because with. They can only Ben can only throw it on checkdowns. That's the only that's he's getting 19 targets. Najee Harris, who's someone the biggest question coming in was he can't catch the ball. He's not a receiving back, and they target him 20 times in a game. That's ridiculous. I, I don't know. This the Steelers offense is just falling apart at the seams. They don't look good. And as I'll tell you this: the X factor for this team, and at least so far, is TJ Watt. When he's on the field, we clearly saw the difference that, that it made to that defense without him. The Steelers are in a lot of trouble. And the Bengals are the team that no one's really talking about. They came in there. They played their game. Burrow, on the other hand, we talk about Ben throwing the ball 58 times. Burrow, who like just got it, just came into the league, threw the ball 18 times. What? Hardly. Yeah, he was That's... 14 for 18, 172, three touchdowns. That's bizarre. It's, it is whack. Joe Mixon, like I mentioned just, just a few minutes ago, 18 carries for 90 yards. Jamar Chase is doing really well. Four catch for 65 yards, two touchdowns. The Bengals are an interesting team. No one's really talking about them. And if they beat Jacksonville on Thursday, all of a sudden they're three and one. So I don't, I don't really know, but I, I, I am surprised with Pittsburgh. I'm not surprised that they lost, but I'm surprised that they lost in that kind of capacity. And the fact that, yeah, Ben is literally just falling apart in front of our eyes and Pittsburgh is just watching. Like, it's not even like they're doing If they wanted to do something about it, they would have, like, made an effort this offseason to have a proper backup plan, not bringing Dwayne And Aspen's I don't know how, how you didn't see this coming. Like, we saw it at the end of last year. That should have been, like, warning sign number one. We literally saw it last year with, like, Drew Brees, too, right? We saw it, like, not too long ago with Peyton, right? Like, yep. uh, these dudes, like, it's, like, literally, like, a steep cliff. Like, one day they're good, the next day they're not. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you just didn't see this coming with Ben Roth. How how could you not have planned for this happening? Oh, absolutely. It's not like this this is like something new. Like Ben struggled last year, even though the record was what it was, he struggled all year. The offense was not good. Again, that defense carried them in a lot of in a lot of those games. And that's my thing here. And we talk about that Denver team that won the Super Bowl when Peyton's body was also falling apart in front of our eyes. But the thing is that defense carried them where Peyton didn't need to do much. They ran the football well. The O-line was great. The D-line, they won in the trenches. Pittsburgh's not doing any of that. The O-line is not playing good at all. And it's not looking good for the Steelers at all right now. I don't know where the season's going to go, but we'll see what happens. Rounding out the headlines in week three, Buffalo smoked Washington 43-21. Tennessee beat Indy 24-16. The Colts now fall to 0-3. The Falcons win at the buzzer to hand the Giants the third straight loss 17-14 in a battle of the winless. The Cardinals beat Jacksonville to move on to 3-0. Denver shuts out the New York Jets. I mean, oh my God. I mean, Salah, what is going on, my guy? I had more I had more hopes for the release. Make it a game. They can't even score a points. What the heck? The Jets' offense is a complete dumpster fire right now. And then the Vikings upset Seattle 30-17 to with no Dalvin Cook, surprisingly. And then the Cowboys dominated the Eagles on Monday night 41-21. to Out of those games, anything anything out there that kind of pops out to you? Man, that, that Monday night game really shocked me. I thought Philly was going to like kind of win that game. I don't know. It's a divisional game Monday night, but... <sighs> 
Yep. Dallas just came like their offense is just uh, I think it's elite, like for real, elite, elite. Dallas looks good. They they really do. And we'll see again. They are the they are the Dallas Cowboys. It's still early. But I was saying this yesterday too that this defense with Dan Quinn at the helm just seems different. And man, that boy Trayvon Ooh, Diggs, Diggs. Oh my god. That boy Trayvon Diggs, that is a he is a bad man. He is balling in that secondary right now. And that's what I mean. The, the defense just feels different. They held the Eagles to 21 points. Like we mentioned, the old Cowboys defense, the, this score would have been like 48-42. And then Dak's doing his thing. The running game's going. The O-line's going. They got a little two-headed monster back there, too. Now, Tony Pollard's like getting the same usage rate as Zeke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when Zeke's, Zeke's playing well, he's blocking. And I, I love Tony Pollard. He is fantastic. The Cowboys are definitely a team to keep an eye on. And that Panthers-Cowboys game Sunday afternoon could be a really intriguing one there. So before we get to week four here, looking at two things here, some of the surprise teams that don't have the greatest records, and then we'll go to the unbeaten teams and which one and talk a little bit about that. So starting with this, so the Colts are 0-3. They've had a really, really rough start to their season. Of course, they've had Rams, Seahawks, and Titans. So it's been rough for them. Steelers, we just talked about one and two. Chiefs, one and two. Seahawks, one and two. Out of these four teams here, which ones are you most or least concerned about? Least concerned has got to be KC. I mean, like, why would we be concerned about KC? I mean, to at least win their division, they should. They, I still think they do. Um, Seattle, though, I, I'm concerned about, man. I thought Seattle's going to make the playoffs. Um, one and two start. You can't be losing a game like that to Minnesota in a division like yours, right? I think they got they got your Niners next week, and then they got yep. the Rams the next the week after that. On a short week. On a short week. And, and it's like, if you split those, you're two and three. Like, I mean, like, this is not – like, they could very well be one and four after these next two weeks. And then it's a wrap right after that. So, Seattle, uh, it's – Clock's ticking, man. This is like almost a must-win this this week against your Niners. It is, and and that's and that's what scares me. On Seattle scares me, anyways, regardless. But this coming in one and two scares the hell out of me, especially after taking a loss to Green Bay. That's a a huge game. You can't for both yo, you, teams. You cannot get behind in that division. No, you life. you can't, and that is why it is such a massive game. These next two weeks in the NFC West, and I'll get to this in a second, is are going to be absolutely huge. But yeah, for Seattle, that's a massive game to go into San Francisco and play that. And then you got the quick, quick turnaround to play the LA Rams at home on Thursday night, which would be a great game. The Seahawks are an interesting team. Eh? I don't know. And then Indy, I don't know, man. They just don't look right. Carson Wentz on a on a hurt ankle. It's just it's not happening for them. So I I think they they might be if they just keep losing, they they might be a lost cause in the AFC, especially with surprise teams like Vegas and Denver. So. Yeah, I think KC will be fine. I'm not worried about them either. Pittsburgh, we just talked about. I'm I'm worried about them. Seattle, these these next two weeks will be really telling, and we'll find out a lot about Seattle in these next two weeks. Moving on to the unbeaten team, sticking in the NFC West, the Rams, like we talked about, look like the best team in all of football at three and zero. Arizona, right behind them, also at three and zero. Carolina, Vegas, and Denver, all surprising teams at three and zero. What are you any looking at the, here? Any any of those contenders to you? I think the only contender to me out of those ones is the Rams. For me, it's the Rams as well. They're the only one I could take seriously, and not just as playoff contenders, but championship contenders. Yeah. The rest, I just I can't take seriously just yet. Arizona, I can't I just I can't take seriously until they have like a really 
important win. And you know what? Guess who they the Cardinals play on Sunday? This, week, yeah. this is this is the game. Also, fun fact: I'm pretty sure this is correct. I'll double check this fact. The Arizona Cardinals, since Sean McVay has taken over, have never beaten the LA Rams since Sean McVay has taken over. Sean McVay is undefeated in four years against the Arizona Cardinals. This would be a massive win to go on the road in the SoFi Stadium, knock off the Rams who look unbeatable, who just beat the defending champions. Now that's what I'm talking about. Arizona wins this game. I'll start. I'll st- that then they'll start putting the world on notice. Well, was there was their last win against the Jaguars impressive to you, like at all? I felt like your boy Cliff over there is just kind of like. I feel like Kyler Murray outplays like. You know what I mean? He outdoes like the coaching. Like he just makes up for it so much because that win, like you're gonna go kick a 68 yard field goal, turns into six the other way. Like some of it, I don't know. Some of his calls, like that. Imagine being a fan for Arizona. Got to be one of the most stressful things in the world. That being a fan of Arizona, being a fan of the Raiders. Yeah, now nah, you know me. I don't like Cliff Kingsbury, and he's the reason why I I can't take them seriously. And then again, I don't care. Cliff Kingsbury's in my division. I got to play him twice a year. I'm fine with that. But Kyler Murray is the reason why I do take Arizona seriously because he's just that good. I know you and I have shown him a ton of love on this podcast, and rightfully so. And I, to be honest, I didn't think that Jacksonville win was very impressive. I didn't. Trevor Lawrence pretty much handed them the win on a silver platter. Again, that dumb special teams touchdown to give up, and then Lawrence gives up a pick six in return. If Jacksonville just kept the pedal to the metal, they could have made that it's a like game. It's like Urban Meyer's just like somehow worse than Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, Urban Meyer's struggling. Yeah, I think that, that whole thing of moving from college football to the NFL, we'll see how the rest of the season transpires. I mean, Anytime you're taking on a rebuilding team, it's going to take some time. Yeah, as we're I feel like, he, Jets, I feel like but... he doesn't want time, bro. I feel like, yo, they like have a really bad season. He's like, yo, I'm out. I'm going to USC or something like that. Because, you know, USC is in the mix for a coach, yep. right? Yeah, it, 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 it is possible. But rolling back to the Cardinals, I just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not totally sold on them. Carolina, we talked about earlier. I, I think Carolina is a good team. They're a balanced team, but I'm not. I can't take them quite seriously yet. I think that defense is going to be great all year, but I got to wait to see Sam Donald play in some bigger games. And again, they don't play Tampa, which I think that would be the big one until December. They play them twice at the end of the year. That would kind of be the time where we're like, okay, let's take Carolina seriously. So I'm not quite there yet with them. And then the Raiders and the Broncos, honest to God, well, we talked about this last week, the Raiders for us, it's later in the year. They got that big stretch, right? We got KC and Dallas and all those teams in the middle. Then we'll kind of find out about them then. So we'll kind of see what happens there with Vegas. And then Denver, I can't take them seriously at all. And they got a tough schedule coming up. They got Baltimore coming up. They got the Raiders coming up in a few weeks. Denver, Denver's got a tougher schedule. So we'll see what they're made out of in the next few weeks as well. So we'll see what happens there. And we'll we'll move on to week four very shortly here. And, and there's some great games on the board. Of course, we know the Bucs are playing the Pats which should be a heck of a game. And, of course, I can now confirm the Arizona Cardinals have never beaten the L.A. Rams. So there you go. With, with Sean McVay as the head coach. So there you go. That, is, that would be a massive, massive win there. So week four's matchups, the headline games here. Carolina, Dallas in the early window. That's a big one. Cardinals, Rams in the late slate. Seahawks, Niners, Steelers, Packers. Ravens, Broncos, I think, can be a really mm-hmm. interesting one. And then Bucks, Patriots, Sunday night. So... I'll let you go first, your game of the day, and then your sneaky good game of the day for week four. Come on, man. Game of the day, no question about it. This is the game of the year. 
right? Patriots, Bucks, both coming off a loss, man. That's what that's crazy. Both of them are coming off a loss. This is gonna be a this is gonna be crazy. I I'm just so ready for this game. My sneaky good game, I, you hit it, man. I don't know if this is really sneaky. I was gonna say, you know, Seattle, San Francisco. That's not really sneaky. So, you know, I'm going to go a little bit sneakier. I'm going to go with the Baltimore-Denver, like you said. I think Denver at home, you know, they're 3-0. and Baltimore eked out a win against the Lions. I actually think Denver might win this game. You know, it's hard to play in the Mile High City. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And that, that was my sneaky good game of the day. You took that one. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say for my sneaky game of the day, I'm going to say Raiders or Chargers on Monday night. Um, I think that Baltimore-Denver game is a sneaky good game. Mile High is a tough place to play. And Lamar going out there, I think Denver's defense is going to slow them down. I, I think that game could be real interesting there. That late slate's very – that late that slate, is, you got four games. Ridiculous. I ain't got yeah. a red zone now, man. You got Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, Niners, Ravens, Broncos, Steelers, Packers. Four important games on the board there. And my game of the day, obviously Bucks-Patriots is the game everybody's hyping up, and rightfully so. I'm going to go off the board, and I'm going to say the Arizona Cardinals and the LA Rams. That's not These are call. two teams, 3-0, and and like I talked about, the Rams are rolling right now. I'm not really worried about the Rams. Like, I'm expecting them to win this game. But for Arizona, like we just talked about, this is your prove-it game. This is Cliff Kingsbury's game where you got to win it. And you know what? I, I'll bring up an example here that you just mentioned about Arizona and how Kingsbury's you know game calling can kind of weird and Kyler bails him out. Last year, that game against that wacky Sunday night game against Seattle that went into overtime, and Arizona missed the field goal because Kingsbury took a timeout and iced his own kicker. Kyler ended up bailing them out late to win that game. Kyler just does that. This is the kind of game where I think Kingsbury's got to prove something. Kyler's also got to prove. I know Kyler's a baller, but he needs that signature win too. Against the Rams D too, like come Again, on, in that's SoFi Stadium, and you've yeah. never been, you've never beaten Sean McVay, you've never beaten Sean McVay, and this, Sean McVay is on like cloud nine right now. This guy is just living it up. He is in LA. I have never seen this guy as hyped up as I've ever seen him after last week's game. So I don't know, man. That that to me, I think is just going to be a great game. And the world is going to be watching, man. You saw the stars that pulled up to the last game, right? I oh feel yeah. Like every, it was like a Lakers game almost with all the stars. It, out there, it had man. those feels. Yep. And and now I feel like some of those stars are going to come back to watch Kyler because Kyler's must watch. Absolutely, absolutely. It's going to be it's going to be something. I'm I'm looking forward to that game. Although I'll be watching the Hawks Niners game, but that Cardinals Rams game should be something else. So with that. Let's move on. Week four, rapid fire picks, game by game. Let's go to it. And we'll start with Thursday night football, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Cincinnati Bengals. Just seems like a dud of a game, but let's make the pick anyways. Man, Jacksonville, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take Jacksonville to win, plus seven and a half. I feel like, you know, two trash teams on a Thursday. Why not? On the road, Jaguars have struggled since he's got momentum coming off a big win at Pittsburgh. They're at home on Thursday night. I'm going to, sure, you can, yeah, you can go into that. I'm going to take the Bengals at home, 27-16. I think Jacksonville continues to struggle. Joe Burrow has the momentum on his side. They're going to come out and play good. I'll take the Bengals with a win in this one. Moving on to the early slate on Sunday, Washington goes to Atlanta. Washington, Atlanta, this is a weird one. I mean, Atlanta got their win last week. This is just a weird game. Like, does, does somebody have to win this game? I don't really want to pick anybody, but. I guess I'm gonna take Washington to cover the one and a half. I think Washington wins this, you know, twenty-one seventeen. I mean, you can predict a tie if you don't if you don't want any team to win. 
But I, I'm going to say Washington 24-17. I think this, yeah, this is a weird one. I think Washington goes in there. They get the job done. Heineke is a nice game. I'll take Washington getting the dub. Texans at the Bills. Texans at the Bills. Man, this is a ridiculous line. 16 and a half for Buffalo. But Buffalo finally got it right last week. I think Buffalo rolls in this one too, especially if it's Davis Mills playing. I think they put up 40 again, 40 to 19. How much money do you think I'd win if I were to bet that Davis Mills goes into Buffalo, lights up the Bills defense, throws for 300 and something yards, throws for three touchdowns on the Texans and an upset win, 31-28. How much do you think I'd win? How much do you think I'd win? I'll I'll get back to you closer to game time when those things are up. Okay, having said that, I'll take the Bills, 33-13. Lions at Lions at the Bears. <laughs> Lions at the Bears, man. This is it. This is Nagy's last game. I'm taking Detroit <laughs> plus three on the road. Detroit wins it again, twenty-four to seventeen. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's already got his soul out. This is Nagy's last game. Honestly, you know what? You set the table earlier when talking about Chicago, and you mentioned Detroit. I gotta say. Detroit for an 0-3 team reminds me a lot of the Niners in 2017 in Shannon's first year. The Niners did not win a game until week 10, but they were in almost every game. That's what the Lions remind me of. Now, Dan Campbell actually might Mm -hmm. be the answer. Again, we'll revisit this in a few years. It's the only year one, but the Lions look different. They're battling, they're scrapping, they're clawing, they're trying hard. They're not a great roster. It might cost them the number one pick, but you know. And But you know what, though? They've had three incredibly tough games. They played the Niners week one, the Packers week two, and then the Ravens week. That's a tough ask for first-year head coach Dan Campbell and Jared Goff. I think this might be the week. If the Lions do the exact same thing they've done for three weeks, they fight, they bite some kneecaps off, they they you know scrap and claw their way, I'll take the Detroit Lions 27-24 in this one. And I think this is going to be the game of the, of the early slate. Carolina at Dallas. Yeah, this is uh, – I don't really know. I'm a little conflicted on this one. The spread's minus five for Dallas. I think Carolina covers, but Dallas wins outright. I think Dallas wins by a field goal, 24-21. I think this is going to be a tough one too. I think Carolina's defense is something else. They're going to be a problem for Dak and crew, but this Dallas defense is also proven to be a problem. I think it's going to be a great game. I'll take the Cowboys 30-27. to Going to be a good one, down-to-the-wire type game. I'm excited for this one. That should be a fun one. The Colts will go to Miami. Jacoby Brissett will take on his former team. This is another weird one, man. I feel like if Indy's going to get a win, this is a this is a good opportunity. Wouldn't be really surprised either way. Um, but I'm going to take Miami minus two. I'll take them to cover as well. Brissett, I feel like he's just he's almost as good as Tua, man. He's just a baller, man. I'm going to take Miami in a real ugly one, 17-14. I'm with you. I'm going to take Miami as well by 3, 24-21. I had a lot of faith in Indy, but my again, my, my one issue with Indy is Carson Wentz. If he's not healthy, this team's not going to be able to win a lot of football games. And I know, again, dealing with, with the Niners last year and Garoppolo playing those few games on an injured ankle, it is not the same at all. So Carson Wentz playing on not one, but two injured ankles. Good luck. I'll take the Dolphins in this one. Cleveland at Minnesota. I think this could be a weirdly this, interesting this, game yeah. as well. I mean, I don't know if Dalvin Cook's going to play in this one, but it doesn't really seem to matter the way Madison played. Um, Cleveland minus two. You know, I'm going to take it. Cleveland hasn't really shown me anything too crazy, but I think you got to take those points. I think they're going to win 27 to 20. I think if Dalvin Cook plays, I mean, you got two of the best running backs in all the football going out of here, Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. And two of the best backups, too, I honestly. Really- 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, Madison's balling. Kareem Hunt balled out last week too. Yeah, no doubt. I'm going to take the Vikings in this one, 28-24. I think they're coming off. They got a lot of momentum on their side. And Cleveland, I, I don't know. They Sure, they beat a really weak Chicago team they, last yeah, week. Yeah, they have not impressed me either. Exactly. And Minnesota, I think, you know what's a big difference that I've noticed from Minnesota is that crowd. That crowd in a fully packed stadium made a massive difference compared to maybe a year ago when there were no fans in the stadium. And Minnesota is a underrated hard place to play. I'm going to take the Vikings at home, 28-24. The Saints and the Giants, I believe all signs are pointing towards this game will be played at the Superdome in New Orleans. Love it, man. I'm taking the Saints minus 7.5. I think they covered two. I think they went big here, 30-17. I'm going to take the Saints in this one, 31-21 as well. The Giants are an absolute mess. I don't know what's going on there. And their schedule is an absolute disaster upcoming. Take a look at this. The Giants have the Saints this week at Dallas, the Rams, the Chiefs, Raiders, Buccaneers consecutively for the next, what, that's like five, six games. That is good. Good luck to Danny Dimes and the New York Giants. I'm going to take the Saints in this one, 31-21 at home. I think the atmosphere should be rocking if it is going to be at the Superdome in that one. Titans at the Jets. You know what? I I, I don't know if the Jets win this game outright, but I think they do cover the 7.5. And, and I think, you know what, Tennessee might win this one by a field goal. It's going to be a weird, scrappy game. I think I like Tennessee 27-24. I think Derrick Henry just runs wild against the Jets. I haven't seen anything out of the Jets that makes me think that they're going to be, you know, what I expected out of the Jets in the first few games is what I'm They're scrappy. No, they're scrappy, though. Their defense is scrappy. But 26 to nothing against the Broncos, that doesn't scream scrappy to me. And sure, I guess you, you watched the game against the Patriots, so you probably saw more than I did. But then again, they only scored, what, like nine points against your Patriots? They're, no, like, their offense is, is... But if you look at it, wait, Tennessee ain't stopping nobody either. So, I mean, this might be... No, this this might be the game. And I know Corey Davis facing his old team, he probably wants to go off too. I totally get that. I just, I have a hard time being able to see it. And I would think that this Jets team would be more like what I'm seeing out of the Lions with that being able to scrap and claw and, and be gritty. That, that's what I know out of Robert Sala, and I'm just I'm not seeing it. I'm going to take the Titans 26-10 to 10 in this one. The Jets continue to struggle. Casey at Philly. Andy Reid, glad he's doing well again. He's out of the hospital. Very happy to hear that he will return to Philadelphia for the second time since joining Casey. So he's, gonna, he's been going to coach this week? All points sign or all points, all signs look towards that he will be coaching in this yeah, game. Yeah, this is a, a tough spread, minus seven and a half. But man, I feel like I just KC. If KC loses three games in a row, I mean this this world is upside down, man. I cannot not take KC. I think they went by like twenty. This is this is similar to that Houston g- g- Buffalo game that I'm saying. How much money do you think I would make if I said Nick Sirianni is going to have a better game plan and out coach? Andy Reid and Eric be enemy. How much do you think I'd win? There's like how you probably like plus four thousand, man. Like I'm not taking my chances. Kansas City's coming back thirty to seventeen in this one. I just like there's no way. KC losing three in a row against Philadelphia. You got to be kidding me, man. There's there's no way. If Dallas can drop forty one, I'm expecting KC to go crazy. And and Patrick Mahomes probably pissed out of his mind. I like KC in this one. Four p.m. slate. This gonna be a wild one. Rams. And the Cardinals, big one, unbeatens. Yeah, Rams minus four and a half. I got to go with the Rams, man. I can't 
why would I go against them? They haven't shown me any reason not to. I think they won in a close one, though, 31-27. I agreed with you. I think it's going to be a close one. I'll take the Rams 26-23. It's going to be a close one. And these NFC West Divisional games are just an absolute slugfest. And I hope, again, I got Kyler and Stafford in fantasy, so I'm hoping this game's a shootout. But I, I don't think it's going to be that way. It's, it's an NFC West game. I'll take the Rams by three. To the other end of the NFC West, the Niners host the Seahawks in this one. This is always a bloodbath. Yeah, man, I, I picked last week against your Niners, and I think I'm going to do the same, same scenario. I said it was a, a must-win for Green Bay. I'm going must-win for Seattle. So I'm thinking they cover the plus two and a half. I think Seattle wins 27-21. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I mean, I am scared regardless Anytime we play Seattle. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. We're 2-12 and 12 against Seattle since 2013. But Ooh, this is it. It's a, it is not a nice record. Not a nice record. Having said that, the only thing, and even though I wasn't very happy with how Jimmy G played last uh, the other night against Green Bay, Jimmy G has also never lost back-to-back games as the Niners' starting quarterback. I think the Niners bounce back. This defense bounces back. This is a better game. If if Jimmy G wasn't starting this game, Mullins or Bethard or whatever, I'd say, yeah, we're going to get smoked. But Garoppolo's here. He's healthy. Our defense healthy. Bosa's playing this game. Kittle's playing in this game. We got we to gotta fight hard in this game. This is going to be an absolute, like, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a dogfight in this one. I'll take the Niners twenty to seventeen. Ravens at Denver. This is a weird one too, man. I'm picking a slugfest again. I'm going Denver seventeen fourteen over the Ravens. Yep, similar to you. I'm gonna take Baltimore twenty three twenty. I think it's one of these games that just comes down to the wire, and Lamar does his magic tricks at the end of the game as well. Gonna be a good one. Denver will get their first loss of the season. Green Bay hosts Pittsburgh. Minus six and a half. I think I got a roll of Green Bay, man. They looked, uh, they looked pretty good, man. Uh, is TJ Watt playing? Do we know that? I don't think so, right? Um, so far, I do not think he's going to play. Yeah, I think this might get ugly then. In Lambeau, 31-13 Green Bay. Wow. You're really saying it's going to be a blow blow I'm going to say Green Bay 28-20. I think Aaron Rodgers just does his thing. They're going to be too much. I think Pittsburgh manages to get something going, but it's nowhere near going to be enough to take down Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm going to save the Bucks Patriots for last. So Monday night, Chargers and the Raiders. This should be a fun one. This is amazing, man. I think the Raiders get their first loss of the season, though. Chargers minus three and a half. I'll take it. I think they win by four, 28 to 24. This, this is going to be a tight one. Last year when they played, both games were down to the wire. Excellent ball games. And I think this one's going to be no different. Chargers 31 to 30. It is going to be a close one down to the wire. Chargers end up winning the game as in a nail biter in that one. And then last but not least, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers taking on your New England Patriots on Sunday night primetime. I don't even mean to be the homer, man, but like this just feels like a type of game the Patriots win. You know, when everybody counts them out and everybody says they're trash and everybody says Tampa's gonna stomp on them. It just feels like the game. I feel like it's going to be raining or something. It's going to be a real weird, ugly game. Foggy, soggy, you know, rainy. I'm taking the Patriots. I saw a little sign on this church in Boston. It said, you know, whatever, prayers, whatever. Boston uh, Patriots went 35 to 20. So I got to roll with that. You know, I have to. I saw it on a billboard. It's fate. That would be incredible. If, if, if the Patriots won 35-20, that would be simply incredible if that happened. I mean, I, I, I would be something else. 
I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Brady in the Bucks. I just think Brady coming off a loss like that against the Rams, he is gonna be pissed off, and especially going against New England, like you know, similar to what you guys were saying before, how Brady was saying he knows the team and he knows what to say. Brady's probably just chilling on a beach somewhere in Florida with a pina colada in his hand, being like, "Yeah, I'm, I don't even need to come back. I know exactly what New England's come doing. I know Belichick inside. I'm joking, man. You know, that's the Tom Brady's probably studying inside an L for this team. Belichick's like, gonna pull something out that Brady's never seen before. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. There, there's gonna be some kind of whackness going on. There's definitely game. a wrinkle. There's a wrinkle in this game. I, absolutely. I'm gonna take the Buccaneers 27-16. I think the Buccaneers are just gonna be too much for New England, but I hope it's a good game. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if exactly what you said, if Belichick comes out with a master plan to take down Tom Brady. And that's what it's gonna that's what's gonna need to happen in order to beat the Buccaneers in this game is for that to happen. And Belichick's gotta like both team or both guys, Belichick and Brady. Like, it's crazy to think has both have such illustrious careers, but it almost feels like both of them have so much to prove in this game. Am I wrong? Definitely not. I mean, Belichick, I feel like, almost has more to prove because Brady already won last year. and I, uh, It's like a revenge tour. I feel like, you know, Belichick, you know, even though he shows off like a, a really – he doesn't say anything to reporters, I feel like he he cares about legacy stuff. Like, he just loves football. You know, he's like the big – NFL top 100 guy. He always does that stuff. Like he, he cares, man. He cares about legacy stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I will end off by saying this though, out of the two, I, I do hope the Patriots win this game. I, I think Belichick needs this. He's had the rougher end of the breakup. Last season did not go well. Everything went well for Tom. Brady. I mean, not at all times. It wasn't, it wasn't easy for Tampa, right? They went through the rough patches, but they won the Super Bowl, right? So Tom Brady obviously won that end of the bargain and Belichick has not had that but to beat Tom Brady at home would be a big deal and it would be something to talk about so I do hope Belichick finds a way to kind of prove his worth in this game and get some help from his boy Mac Jones it's a it's going to be a fun one it's going to be electric hey, he got, he got crazy. The, the chance against this Tampa defense he finally gets a, a a defense capable that he can put numbers up on absolutely that secondary is a mess so if anything you know things are rolling in Mac Jones's favor but man, oh man, we're going to have a lot to, to digest and talk about next week with these set of games on this week in the NFL. But that'll do it from this week on the island. This week's episode, that's a wrap. Jay Sahota, Bilal, Lahi, B, final thoughts? Man, I am. I, I can't even, I can't talk any, any more about this game. I'm going to see every coverage, every single second of every reporter talking about this game for the next week. Absolutely. Going to be exciting. Can't wait. Hope you all enjoy this week's games and enjoy Brady against Belichick on Sunday night. So that's a wrap from this episode of Baller Island. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. And we'll see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Baller Island. We got a lot more content coming your way. So make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis.